Hello, and welcome to Awesome Leaders, Lessons for Food Business Success, a podcast aimed at supporting the development and growth of women-owned food and beverage processing businesses in the Canadian prairies. Our guests include industry experts, as well as food and beverage entrepreneurs to provide knowledge, real-world examples, and inspiration. My name is Carly, and on behalf of the Awesome Program, I'll be your host today. Hello everyone. In today's episode, we continue our discussion on markets and the importance of local supply chains. When a consumer shops local, they are making a personal investment into their neighborhood and community. Today we dive into this topic further with our guest, Juliana Tan. Juliana is a chocolatier with a passion for supporting local. She is the co-founder of two successful businesses in Saskatoon. Juliana and her sister Ying are the founders of Those Girls at the Market a health-focused, organic, raw chocolate business. She is also the co-founder of The Little Market Box, an online farmer's market. Juliana started her journey as a farmer's market vendor and now supports over 100 local food producers and artisans through her online platform. She cares deeply about local producers and through The Little Market Box, Juliana helps support individuals and families who rely on the farmer's market for their livelihood. Hi, Juliana. Welcome. We're so excited to have you for today's episode. Thank you for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so let's just get right into the discussion here. Can you tell us how you and your sister Yang started those girls at the market? So let's go back to the beginning. Sure. Um, I'll say long story short, because it can be a very long story. Um, my sister and I growing up were very close. Um, and then I actually moved away to Halifax to attend university. Um, while I was there, our family faced a loss, um, so a loss of a family member, which was pretty tough on the family. Um, so during one summer, um, I decided to come home and just spend some time around family and just reconnect and be there. And uh, we were trying to think of something fun that we could do over the summer. And uh, we've always loved the farmer's market. And uh, we thought, well, why don't we just have a little booth for the summer? Like, it'll be fun. It will get us out and about. And we get to do a project together. Um, and at the time, uh, my sister, uh, she was a fitness nutritionist, um, a personal trainer, really into health. Uh, I was doing my degree in kinesiology. And uh, she had recently taken like a little workshop about uh, raw chocolate. And she really learned all of the health benefits um, and kind of how to make a very easy version of it. And so she had been making these chocolates. And we thought, well, why don't we see if we can make like a very health forward chocolate and sell at the market? Um, and that's what we did. We had this conversation. I think it was like February uh, and we were up and running at the farmer's market in by May. So just a few months after we came up with the idea. So where did you first start selling the chocolate? Did you sell to like families and friends or did you go into the market like right away? Oh, we went straight into the market. Um, the first day selling was at the farmer's market. We had, um, took us a few months um, to figure out how to actually make chocolate. And so we had committed to this idea before we even knew what we were doing. Um, so we gave ourselves, we're self-taught, we gave ourselves a little crash Um crash course uh, through the internet, you know, watched a lot of YouTube videos. We did a lot of reading, blog articles, et cetera. And we really learned the ins and out of uh, the chocolate making world. And uh, took us a lot of intensive like experimentation just between her and I. Um, at the time we were actually using my, my mom's kitchen. And so she has fond memories of us making an absolute 
mess in her kitchen trying to make chocolate. Um, but yeah, it was uh, our very first like debut of sharing our chocolate publicly was at the farmer's market. Okay, that's great. So farmer's market from day one, what would you say were some of the most important connections you made in the early years of selling at the farmer's market? Uh, I think looking back, I'm very grateful that we started at the farmer's market. Um, in my mind, it's still one of the best ways to um, start a small business, especially if you're interested in you know, being a food producer. Um, really right off the get-go, um, like even our first summer there at the farmer's market, we met a lot of our regular customers who actually still support us today. And this is eight years later. Um, and so the the kind of image that comes to my head is, you know, the image of like um, a snowball. Once you create the snowball and it rolls down the hill, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. To me, I feel like having that exposure at the farmer's market and, um, you know, every weekend there's hundreds of customers that would be going through kind of for the experience. Um, but we had a lot of exposure uh, really right from that first summer. Um, and that really helped us kickstart our business and get us kind of um, motivated. And we knew we were on the right track just with all the positive feedback. Um, so number one, absolutely a lot of our like long-term customers. Um, also, uh, being at the farmer's market, um, I eventually got quite involved. So I joined the board of directors and I got to work side got to work alongside a lot of other local food producers like myself. Um, and so it was really great to get to know them and really become connected to how passionate um, people are about, about their, their, their projects, you know, how, how passionate the farmers are about their animals and how they care for the land and how other artisans, um, they have, you know, so much attention to detail. So I really got a bond with other local producers, uh, which we'll get into later ended up being a really positive thing in, in, uh, my journey through through business. So, No, that's great. And I think it's kind of the perfect segue into my next question. If you can tell us about your other business, the little market box and kind of explain what that's about and talk about your entrepreneurial journey evolving from those girls at the market into founding this other business. Yeah, you bet. So um, we started at the farmer's market, I think it was May, 2014. Um, and so it had been um, a big chunk of my life for many years. And um, as you may know, uh, the farmer's market actually went um, underwent a relocation not that long ago. So in 2019, um, the farmer's market actually relocated from a really like central downtown location right by the river. Uh, and they relocated up north, um, more in the industrial area close to the airport. Um, so during that time, a lot of things were up in the air. So in 2019, um, the farmer's market didn't exactly know what, where they would be next year or, you know, what location they'd be at, how they'd be operating, um, which was a pretty scary thing for a lot of producers. Um, not for all, but for some of us, it was our full-time livelihood. And so not really knowing how that's going to look like, um, next year was a scary thing to be facing. Um, at the same time, we were also um, at the point where our business had grown large enough that we really needed our own location. Like we needed a dedicated kitchen um, rather than making everything at home, which we were doing for, for several years. And so naturally, we actually expanded and we opened up a very small um, little chocolate shop, which was actually just a few blocks away from the farmer's market location. And um, the... The neighborhood was always really important to me. So I live in this neighborhood. I always have since I moved back to Saskatoon. Um, 
And so to me, this this uh, having local food and having the farmer's market culture in this neighborhood was really important. Um, the the unit actually right beside our chocolate shop became vacant. Uh, it's like in a little strip mall. And the landlord actually approached me and she had an idea and she said, you know, what's really missing in this neighborhood is access to food. Um, and it's true in the downtown area, kind of downtown Riversdale, there's really not a lot of good food options. You often have to have a vehicle to drive to a grocery store. Um, and so her idea made a lot of sense. Um, but I said, that's a cute idea. Like, there's no way it's going to be me. We had just opened our chocolate shop. My sister actually just had her first baby. And so I was kind of doing it on my own. It was a crazy time in my life. And uh, later that week, I actually went to the farmer's market. Um, our next door neighbor, I, I'm very close to, she was the neighboring booth at the farmer's market. Um, her name's Shonda, and she represents Benlock Farms. And I was just kind of updating her, telling her about, you know, our move into the chocolate shop, like we're opening soon. The landlord had this idea. Um, and then Shonda looked at me and she lit up and she's like, we have to do that. I was like, what? Like, there's no way I can't do it. Like, I'm way too busy. I can't imagine it. Um, but this was a conversation we had on a Sunday afternoon. And um, Shonda is a very enthusiastic person. Uh, and actually on that Monday, so the day after, we were in that space with the landlord looking at it and thinking of ideas of how we can make this work. And so... This was all happening in 2019, and um, just with the, the upcoming closure and relocation of the farmer's market, the timing worked really well. We knew that having this in this neighborhood was really important, and so what we decided to do is we were going to team up, um, and we said we can we can bring a local market here. Um, we want to keep the the values and the essence and the culture of the farmer's market because we know how important that is to our city um, and to us, uh, but at the same time, we saw this as an opportunity to also overcome some of the challenges and some of the barriers we've faced as farmers market vendors. Um, an example is uh, the farmers market has very limited hours. So if you do want to go to the farmers market and get fresh local food, um, you have a very small window. So it was, you know, our, our hours at the time were Saturday from eight till three, Sunday, or sorry, it was Saturday, eight till two, Sunday, 10 till three. And then we had a very small Wednesday market from 10 to 3 as well. But a lot of people just couldn't make it to the farmer's market. Um, we had a booth by the door. And every single weekend, like as the farmer's market was closing, we had to tell customers coming in like, oh, sorry, like we're just closing up. You'll have to come another time. And it was like that all of the time. And so we thought to ourselves, wouldn't it be awesome if we could keep the farmer's market um, the culture of it and the principles of it, um, but also increase the accessibility for the customers so that they have more time and just make it easier for them to access the local goods. And at the same time, we could also make it easier for our farmers um, to spend whatever time they need to, you know, take care of their land, take care of the animals or bakers to be, you know, in their kitchen making new products. Um, so allow them to dedicate a lot of their time and energy and effort to that. Well, we kind of took care of the storefront aspect, the marketing, the patching, the customer interaction, et cetera. Um, and so that's kind of how this whole thing came together. It was very fast. It was very spontaneous. Um, but yeah, we, that's how it started. I love that. So it was your own kind of farmer's market experience that, you know, helped you evolve this other business and address some of the issues that you experienced yourself. So so you have the storefront for the little market box and then also the online retail hub as well. 
what made you decide to do an online retail hub and storefront instead of approaching grocery retailers and maybe going the more traditional route? Yeah, as I kind of mentioned before, just having spent that time at the farmer's market and getting really involved, it it was really amazing to see how um, how much of a connection or how important the stories are of local producers. I just I just totally fell in love with, you know, understanding where your food comes from and actually knowing the people who produce it. You can ask them the questions. You can get to know who they are as people. You can understand how passionate they are about what they do. Um, When we look at selling wholesale and kind of going into retail, there's something about it to me that loses, um, loses that special aspect. And I mean, a lot of companies can do very well about keeping that story alive and really connecting with the customer through marketing and branding, et cetera. Um, And that being said, there's nothing wrong with going the wholesale route. That's a very um, traditional entrepreneur route. So I was talking with um, Carmen Ham of uh, Taste. So they own some local restaurants. I was having a chat with her and she it was her and her husband, Brad. They actually recommended I read the book E-Myth. And so I actually just put the blink on. Um, Blink is like a like the summary notes of it. So it's like, a, I think a 10 or 15 minute kind of audiobook summary of what the book's about that we can gauge, like if, if it's interesting to you, if you like it or get like the key points. So I was listening to the blink of the e-meth um, and really in summary, it kind of talks about like a very traditional entrepreneur journey of starting a business, but how you can step back and fill fill all the roles of operating your business. So eventually that it's its own entity, it can operate on itself and then you can step away and have that freedom or you could sell the business and start a new business, et cetera. And that was really cool to understand and and get that side of business. But then um, another book actually auto-played after that. So immediately after that finished, I had it on like auto-play. And the next book that played, uh, I had a summary of the business of one. And uh, listening to the business of one, it's, it's a very different, way of looking at entrepreneurship and business. And it talks more so about, um, you know, sometimes we have this vision of growing bigger and bigger and bigger and expanding and what's the next step and how do we get into, you know, more stores and reach more people. But sometimes that bigger doesn't necessarily always mean better depending on what what you want from your business. And so the second book actually resonated a lot more with me. Um, our products very artisanal. I hand make everything myself. I'm very connected to every product that I make. And what I really value is um, having the connection to the customers as well. And for me, my ideal vision is not really, you know, having my product made somewhere else or um, stepping back and, you know, not being involved in the production or growing and etc. What spoke more to me is um, like a lifestyle business, being able to do this day in, day out, because it brings me so much joy and connecting with my customers. Um, and so just because that that story really resonated a lot with me, um, I also know that story resonate, resonates a lot with um, a lot of the local food producers at the farmer's market who really value that connection and that experience and that culture of local food. Um, and so that's kind of why we branched out to do something a little bit different, something that really focuses on that lifestyle aspect um, of business and allowing allowing that to really shine through. Um, and the structure of our, our business um, 
it fosters that a little bit more so than and than selling wholesale and retail. So even myself looking into selling to wholesale, oftentimes we have to sell at you know between forty or fifty percent less than our retail price, which as a small business, my margins just aren't big enough to make that feasible. And so that was a, a barrier for me. And so that's why our business model, um, we do it quite differently. We work on a membership basis and all of our sales pretty much go back into the pockets of the producers. And so it just makes that model of of selling to the customer a lot more feasible, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So you kind of were able to help other people on their journeys who have the same kind of entrepreneurial vision of you um, as you that aren't necessarily, you know, getting into those big box retailers, but connecting with their food and connecting with their customer. That's great. So I do know you have quite a large list of producers who do sell out of the little market box. So how can a producer get listed on your website and what is kind of the first step on their end? And then if you can talk about um, your side of the selection process and how you do that. You bet. Um, So, yeah, we have... um... Uh, yeah, we currently have 127 local food producers and artisans signing through our platform, and it's growing all of the time. Um, the process on to get onboarded is pretty simple. Um, so usually we like to make a connection, whether you stop in the store and introduce yourself, or you can just send us a message on either social media platform. Um, and what we will do is just um, provide your email address. Uh, once you touch base with us via email, I'll send you an online application form and so you can do this all online. It's a pretty short form, but it um, gives us an idea of kind of what you're all about. You can link to your social media, you can tell us about your product, tell us about your story. Um, and once you submit your online application, Shonda and I, so that's my business partner. Um, yeah, I should have mentioned it's Shonda and I who opened up the little market box together. And so uh, we went from farmers market neighbors to business partners now. Um, but we review applications about about once a week. So usually you will hear back from us pretty quickly. Um, and once you are accepted, there's a few um, things that we require. And so if you are a food producer, we do ask that you have your food safety certificates um, as well as public liability insurance. Um, and that just makes sure everyone's covered and protected and safe, um, especially when it comes to food production. Um, we'll ask for your business license, um, and if it depends depends what product um, you have for certain products. Like if you have any meat, we do require that um, you're you're processing your things through an inspected abattoir, and we just make sure we have all those files, um, all those documents on file. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of what it looks like after that. Once you're onboarded, it's pretty simple. Um, you're a member of the Little Market Box, and you actually can set up your own little display, kind of like a farmer's market. We sublease space, and so you can set up your own little display, and you're in charge of stocking it, rotating out old stock, bringing in new products. Um, but we just will sell on your behalf, and so at the end of the month, we will give you a sales report um, and write you a check. And so that's what it looks like to be onboarded uh, and to be a member of the Little Market Box. From my side, so from the kind of admin side, um, when we're processing applications, there's a couple of things that we do look for. Um, kind of the first thing we look for is a gap in our market. And so what gets priorit- prioritized are things that we don't currently have at our market. 
Um, after that, um, we like to take a look at your social media presence um, and your website just to see kind of what you're doing on your end for branding, what your vision is. Um, a lot of the times, um, some what we've noticed is some people, um, they have this amazing product, um, but once they bring it to the store, it just kind of sits on the shelf if they don't really have that platform to to brand themselves and, and get their story out there and connect with people and send people our way. And so um, it is quite important to be um, active in, in, in branding and marketing. Um, and we're, we love to hop on that and help you out in that aspect. But we find that our successful vendors are people who are kind of um, out there and telling their own story, whether it's social media or through their website or just some kind of online presence. Um, so we do look at that. Uh, and then we just look at what documents you have in place. Um, so if you don't have public liability insurance, we just would ask that you would acquire that um, before selling your product through our platform. Yeah, I think that that's a summary. It's a pretty simple process. So you touched a bit on having a strong online presence, whether that be social media or other mediums. And you yourself have a very strong um, social media following. So for context, those girls at the market and the little market box have over 4,000 followers on Facebook and over 8,000 on Instagram. So what are some of your tips on creating and maintaining a strong digital presence? You know, I wish I had like a formula that I could tell you, like, do this, do this, do this. I, I don't, I don't know any of that. I don't really follow the algorithms, etc. Um, so I'm not a professional by any means. Um, but what I can say is, um, I think some of the most important things when you are establishing your online presence um, is consistency. Um, and so it's just showing up regularly. And so we try to post, you know, two or three times a week, every week. Um, and it just keeps you top of mind. It keeps your momentum going. It keeps people engaged with your platform. Um, I also, I think something that I'll also say is to me, what seems to be more effective and it's just, it just aligns with me more is kind of being authentic and creating connection with people. I know sometimes it, it can be a lot of just, you know, posting a product as like an ad being like, okay, this is available. This is available. This is available. Here's a new product, um, which is good. And you should be doing that, but it kind of gets boring or it's not very engaging from the customer perspective. And so we really try to engage them in a way that, you know, we entertain them or it's funny or people will, will relate to it. And so we do a lot of kind of Humor is a really big aspect of it. And, and our goal with that is to really just, you know, make people feel good and make people laugh and make people happy to interact with us online. Something that, you know, they should look forward to and, and want to follow us. Um, and so that's kind of how what, what guides us is, um, you know, being entertaining and being funny and just connecting with our customers. Um, and then in between those posts, having having information about our products and what we're doing and what's new and just kind of having that big mix makes it a lot more of a, a strong and engaging and authentic platform. Um, I think um, I also don't do any I don't know if this is good advice or bad advice, but I actually don't do any paid advertising. Um yeah, one uh, to me, one of the most effective things and what's a lot more fun and engaging, I think, for everyone is giveaways. Um, don't underestimate how powerful it is to collaborate with local people and other accounts on a giveaway. Um, it's really a win win for everyone. And so how we structure our giveaways, um, we like to get um, gather a prize. And so everyone who's going to be involved in the giveaway will donate something towards the prize. So I would donate chocolate. My business partner would donate this, you know, beautiful tomahawk steak, etc. And um, 
the beautiful thing of holding um, a giveaway is you can all work together and kind of tap into each other's following and everyone uh, grows their own following, which is good for everyone. And so partnering with other local businesses or people who um, you align with, people who have the same vision as you, teaming up with them, hosting giveaways, sharing followers, supporting each other. Um, that has been a really quick way uh, in my eyes to grow. Um, you know, we've had our chocolate Instagram for eight years. And so looking at, you know, 8,000 followers over eight years, not that impressive, but it's a really authentic and strong, like loyal following. With the little market box, we've gotten eight followers in a very short period of time. Um, and I think really the key to that was really collaborating with all of the vendors that we have and hosting a lot of giveaways. We try to do a giveaway at least once a month. Um, but that's a really effective and powerful way to A, connect with other people um, in the community, uh, other businesses kind of with the same goals of growth of growing and getting the word out there and um but also um celebrating your customers you know people are excited to win um and it really you know they will take their friends and their family um and so it's just a really like authentic and good way to get followers that actually you know are supporters of you in the community um don't overthink your posts i know some some local producers get a little bit hung up on like yeah i don't know what's the right thing to say like they, in their mind, think that, okay, I have to put a lot of energy and effort and thought into a post. But sometimes it can just be spontaneous and fun, even if it's like, happy Monday, and just post a picture or, you know, something simple. Um, I think it's more important to be consistent than it is to be, to make every single post, you know, really thought out. We do have some posts that we put a lot of energy and effort and we really want to convey a certain message. But then a lot of our posts are just to stay active and stay engaged. And, and um, yeah, so you don't have to overthink what you're posting. I think consistency is more important than um, having the message exactly perfect. No, that's really great advice. And I think it's nice to hear from your perspective that you don't necessarily have to put a bunch of money behind it. I think there's a kind of a misconception that your strategy has to be super thought out and all this money. But from what you're saying, it just kind of happened organically and it's the, you know, authentic and consistent posting that really brought you to where you are today on social media. So I think that's a really great point that you brought up. So to switch gears a little bit, let's talk about the challenges that you have faced of owning two businesses. Yeah, I think, um, probably like a lot of other business owners who might be a little bit more like type A, um, kind of go-getters, really passionate about what their project is. Um, I think those are all really good qualities. And I think that those qualities are needed, you know, to get me where I am today um, and just be really passionate about a mission. Um, kind of my lifelong battle is oftentimes um, that means I, it's very easy for me to put myself last um, because we're so focused and so busy on getting everything done for everything else, you know, serving your business, serving your clients, serving your customers, making sure everything's perfect. Um, that comes a lot more naturally to me than actually being like, okay, what do I need? Um, so I have over the years, um, I think I've gotten a lot a lot better at understanding that um, it's cliche, but you can't pour from an empty cup. And so if you're not taking care of yourself, 
then you can't actually put the energy and the effort um, that you want into your business or into your family or into your passion project. The first thing that you really have to take care of is yourself. Um, so making sure that you are getting enough sleep, making sure that you are having nourishing meals, making sure you are carving out time to just unwind and be quiet um, and do something that refills your cup, whether that's a hot bath or yoga or sign up for a class just for joy, something that's fun, that's energizing. Um, because if we're not doing that, you will quickly burn out because we only have so much energy. And if we're not replenishing that, then everything else will kind of um, fall flat or not be as full as you want it to. And so I would say, yeah, my number one challenge is has been um, making sure that I'm I'm taking care of myself first. And once I do that, then you can take care of the other things. It comes so much easier when you are rested and when you are fed and when you do have a sense of joy. Um, so to any business owner, um, I think it's important to eventually get there and understand that you do have to take care of yourself in whatever way that looks like for you. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of women can relate to that challenge. You know, everyone's always go, go, go. And they're super busy and it's kind of a one man show. So thank you. What advice would you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? So someone who just started out on their journey? Yeah. Um, so for someone who's just starting on their journey, um, into, you know, launching your own business or doing your own project, the tip that I would like to share would be, um, well, sometimes we look at things like the really, you know, big moves, big commitments, um, you know, either I do this or I fail, but we don't have to take it so seriously. So I really like to, to break up little projects into experiments. Um, and so whenever you're trying something new or launching something, I like to say, you know, hold it as a three month experiment, or maybe it's a six month or 12 month um, experiment. And that kind of breaks down that really big um you know, we carry a lot of fear around things. Fear of failure often prevents us from starting something or prevents us from showing up as who we really are. And so when you run things as an experiment, it doesn't seem like the stakes are so serious. And so it actually allows you to kind of loosen up and, and take a small risk, um, put yourself out there, dip your toes into it, all knowing that, you know, if this doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you failed. It means, you know, okay, that experiment didn't go how I want. How can I learn? How can I change? How can I um, you know, do better next time. That just, to me, gives me the courage to do something new. I'm not, I'm not so scared to just, you know, let's try this. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. It's like not the end of the world. It's just a little experiment that I'm doing. Um, and then we're not so hard on ourselves. You know, it's really when you're running experience, you never fail. And so we, we kind of take away that barrier of our fear, fear of failure. Um, and to me, that's, that's a great way of having your mindset so that you're not um, so scared um, and you can open up and really show up and give it your all and have fun, which is a really, I think, important thing. This kind of ties into um, a piece of advice that I'm really grateful that I received when I was younger. And so as I transitioned from high school into university, I had the opportunity to chat with um, an entrepreneur, actually. And she had asked me, what's your biggest fear? And I had said, like, my biggest fear is um, I kind of viewed life as a road and I had to, like, pick a road. And there was so much heaviness and so much pressure about picking that road. I was so scared that I would commit myself to something and then wake up one day and being like, oh, shoot, I picked the wrong road. Like, this is not what I wanted to do. This is not where I want to be. Um, and she said, you know, instead of looking at life like a singular road, 
look at it like, you know, a vast scene of mountains. There's so many mountains to climb. You can choose any mountain that, you know, that you want. That one over there looks really beautiful. You know, start climbing that mountain and maybe you get to the top and maybe you love it and maybe you thrive. Um, But, you know, sometimes when you get halfway up the mountain, it opens your eyes and you see a different mountain over there that looks awesome. There's nothing that says you have to like stick to that mountain and climb to the top. Like you can go climb a different mountain um, if, if that's what's calling you. And so by just changing my mindset of instead of a singular road that I have to commit to, that I have to go down, it's like, you know, there's a lot of freedom in life. Life's pretty long. There's a lot of different things that I can do in my life. And, um, it's exciting to start that journey, climb up, see where you go. And if it's, you know, not what you thought it would be pivot, there's, you know, there's something that is calling you go in that direction, go with the flow, um, make it easy, make it fun. Um, and so that's, that's just kind of a, something that I've o- have always carried with me and it's been very helpful throughout my life in making decisions of, you know, where to go next or what to do or um, what to pursue. So um, yeah, that's a little piece of advice that I'd like to share. I love it. Thank you so much. That's a really great piece of advice. I think I'll definitely carry that with me now as well. So just to kind of wrap up our conversation today, I have two fun rapid fire questions for you. The first one being, what is a food product or recipe that you make at home that you've just been loving lately? Yeah, there is a recipe that we've been obsessed with at the shop lately. Um, So it's panzanella salad. Um, So at the shop, oftentimes with our staff, we do a lot of like uh, group lunches. And so we kind of look at our shop and say, okay, what are we going to have today? We might have a charcuterie platter. We're going to kind of make whatever we have on our shelves. One of the girls who works with us, uh, her grandma, um, I think they're Italian. Her grandma taught her how to make panzanella salad, um, which translates into bread salad. So, you know, it's going to be delicious. <laughs> um, and so we made it at our shop uh, with all local ingredients. Um, we used, you know, this beautiful sourdough bread we have at our shop. It's Simon sourdough. Um, we used his rosemary and olive sourdough. Um, and the key is it's kind of like supposed to be like a stale bread salad. Um, but we would cut it up and we just like lightly toast it or kind of let it dry out a bit. Um, and then it's heavily tomato based. And so we would get obviously local tomatoes from our shop. And here's kind of the key. And I don't know, like I've never actually read an official recipe. This is just how she taught us to make it. Um, but you kind of like heavily, you cut your tomatoes, you heavily salt them and you let the salt kind of draw out the juice from the tomato. And then that juice that you get, that tomato juice from the tomatoes actually ends up being the base of the salad dressing. Um, yeah. And so once you salt your tomatoes, let them sit for 20 minutes, you have all that beautiful tomato juice kind of dripping out, coming out, add a little olive oil, um, a little salt and pepper, and then you add the bread with the tomatoes, a lot of fresh herbs. So kind of whatever's growing, it could be anything. It could be dill, it could be basil. Um, you can add some cheese. So we would use, um, we have like a goat cheese feta or we have like a raw carefully cheese aged on Saskatchewan spruce. Um, and then you toss it all together and it is unreal. It's so delicious. The bread like soaks up all of that olive oil, tomato, add a little vinegar, all that flavor. Um, and so that's something we have been making on repeat, honestly, probably like once a week for the last two months, it's a staple at our shop. Um, so we've been very excited about that. Um, so that's been something that we've been eating a lot of. That sounds so good. A bread salad um, sounds like my type of salad. So thanks for sharing that one. And my last question, what is a work or life resource that you want to share that you just find helpful? Could be organizational, wellness, functional, anything. 
I am obsessed with something called the Passion Planner. Have you heard of the Passion Planner? No, I haven't. Okay, so um, I guess it would have been like seven years ago, Shonda, um, so my now business partner, um, she actually gifted me a passion planner for Christmas. And at the time it was like a Kickstarter campaign. So she had like funded this project. It was a Kickstarter campaign and she got these like little day planners um, and they are gorgeous, but I have gotten a day plan from them every single year religiously. And all of my friends, all of my family know how I obsessed I am with my passion planner. Um, but it has been a tool that has really propelled me forward um, and kept me accountable to living a life that is really like on my terms. So, you know, it, it has um, a lot of journaling and reflection prompts. And so some of the exercises found within the day planner are kind of like, um, I don't know what they call it. It's like making a map. And so twice a year in, in the day planner, it has you ask yourself, okay, where do I want to be in three months? Where do I want to be in one year? Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to, what do I want to accomplish in my entire life? And so you do this kind of exercise um, and it instructs you like, don't think about money. Don't think about restrictions. If you could do anything in the world, what would you do? And so this is a really great way to kind of connect and touch base with, with what is it that you want to do with your life? You know, this is your book. This is your journey. If you were to write it, what would it look like? Um, and so, you know, starting your year off with that. And then um, throughout the day planner, it has little reflection prompts. It has like monthly reflections. You can reflect on um, how how was your last month? Did you do what you wanted to do? Are you filling your own cup? Are there things that you want to change? Like what could you do better next month? Um, what are you grateful for? What lessons did you learn? And so every single month it has journaling pages where it asks you questions to reflect on how did that month go? And so with a combination of like journaling, it has, you know, motivational quotes every week. Um, it has reflection at the end of every month, as well as the end of every year. Um, so it's just this day planner that really captures a lot of the things to me that are important when you are kind of being intentional about planning your life, about, um, you know, pursuing your dreams. And so if anyone's looking for a, a day planner or a journal or just a tool to kind of keep them more in track with um, with their authentic selves and how they want to live their life, I would highly recommend checking out The Passion Planner. That's awesome. So where can you find it? Is it just thepassionplanner.com or where are they available? I think so, yeah. Um, I always just order directly from them. Yep, so just check it out. I'm sure if you Google Passion Planner, it should come up. I'm pretty sure it's passionplanner.com, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> okay, that's great. Thank you for sharing. So before I let you go, I just want to ask, um, where can people connect with you if they, if they want to chat more? I think one of the best places is absolutely social media. We're quite active. So definitely give us a follow um, for the from the chocolate shop. Um, you can find us at those girls at the market. Um, either on Instagram or Facebook. And then with the little market box, we are at the little market box. Um, send us a DM, follow along. It's a great way to just stay in the loop on, you know, what's new, what's, what's going on. Um, we love, we would love to connect there. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Juliana. It was so great to talk with you today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. The Awesome Program is an initiative of the Saskatchewan Food Centre and is funded by Prairie's Economic Development Canada through the Women Entrepreneurship Strategy Ecosystem Fund. We are here to support women-owned food businesses through education, advising, and industry connections. Although we are based in Saskatoon, we serve members in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. 
For more information, visit the show notes or head to our website at beawesome.ca.